Professor, I've been thinking about our closing thought from our last programme. Force makes things move, but it doesn't organise them into something as complex as an animal or a human. Let's develop that thought and see what Darwin's colleague Alfred Russell Wallace thought caused organisation. This is Truth in the Test Tube, where we discuss scientific ideas that have importance beyond science, facts that affect our daily lives. Welcome to Truth in the Test Tube. As we closed our last discussion, we were talking about the fact that Darwin's friend, Alfred Russell Wallace, was especially interested in the cell. Yes, his research showed him that the cell not only repaired itself, but also renewed itself, multiplied itself, and adapted itself to an environment that was continually changing. To do all this, he reasoned that the cell had to have been made by a mind far higher, greater, more powerful than any of the fragmentary minds we see around us. A mind not only adequate to direct and regulate all the forces at work in living organisms, but which is itself the source of all those forces and energies. Textbooks in cell biology point out that the living cell contains microscopic mechanical structures, including devices that function as tweezers, scissors, pumps, motors, levers, valves, pipes, chains and even transportation vehicles. Steer interprets, but of course the cell is more than just a bag of gadgets. The various components fit together to form a smoothly functioning whole, like an elaborate factory production line. Wallace correctly identified that the miracle of life is that the tiny parts of an organism are integrated in a highly organised way. He ridicules the idea that somehow, collectively, unthinking atoms get together and, as Paul Davies puts it so delightfully, perform a dance of life with exquisite precision. I have no doubt that biologists will discover more about how the various chemical components have been utilised to put together a living cell, and that Christians will see this as one of the more remarkable aspects of God's created order as described by science. Dawkins also says Darwin and Wallace demonstrated that the universe has no purpose. To the contrary, Wallace wrote about purpose frequently. For example, he stated, To us, the whole purpose of the world, with all its complexities of physical structure, with its grand geological progress, and the ultimate appearance of man, was the development of the human spirit in association with the human body. Did Wallace think purpose in nature implied that God exists? Definitely. For example, he recognised that automatic processes in the human body make an interacting series of complex and precise adjustments. These adjustments act like a thermostat, keeping all the circulating fluids and internal organs at a constant temperature, varying only a few degrees. That's in addition to the multiple factors that keep Earth's temperature within the narrow range that allows life to exist. The Earth loses heat by volcanoes and hot springs, but these losses are counteracted by heat from the sun and the conservation effect of an atmosphere that contains moisture. So Wallace was convinced that this balance was not an accident. Right. 
Wallace listed the general conditions which he reckoned were essential for life on Earth, light and heat from the sun, water universally distributed on the planet's surface and in the atmosphere, an atmosphere of sufficient density composed of the several gases from which protoplasm can be formed, some alternation of light and darkness. These indispensable conditions for life are met on Earth. They have needed numerous complex and exact adjustments to bring them about. It sounds as if Wallace used the principle of inference to the best explanation, examining all the facts and using logic to decide what best explained those facts. Yes, Wallace had been an architect, and he recognised good engineering when he observed it in nature. Steer says, The case for thinking of humans as occupying a special place in the animal kingdom rests on the degree to which humans have developed language, our use of imagination, our ability to be creative, our sense of absolute values, our ability to choose between values, our moral sense, our philosophy, scientific theories and religious ideas, and other conditions that Wallace thought were essential for the maintenance of life, Conditions which are all just right on Earth were the distance of a planet from the Sun, the mass of Earth, the slant of the planet in its orbit, the amount of water as compared with land, an atmosphere sufficiently dense and composed of the right gases, an adequate amount of dust in the atmosphere, and atmospheric electricity. How did Darwin react to Wallace's ideas about design? He wrote one geologist that he was dreadfully disappointed in Wallace. He was distressed that Wallace wasn't convinced that humanity's highest qualities evolved from animals by natural and sexual selection. When Wallace told him that he was going to publish his opinion that the power of natural selection had limits, Darwin replied that he hoped Wallace had not murdered too completely the brainchild that the two of them had invented. What was Wallace's attitude toward religion? In his book, The World of Life, he wrote, The main cause of the antagonism between religion and science seems to me to be the assumption by both that there are no existences capable of taking part in the work of creation other than blind forces on one hand and the infinite, eternal, omnipotent God on the other. In other words, some scientists thought nature did all the creating, while some religious people thought God did all the work. Wallace rejected both extremes. He thought both God and nature were involved. Wallace must have been brilliant. He developed the theory of natural selection independently of Darwin, but more quickly and almost effortlessly. And Steer writes to Dawkins, you regularly link Wallace's name to your argument that evolution has solved the mystery of life and made atheism intellectually respectable. Wallace argued precisely the opposite. His view was that scientific observations lead inevitably to believe in a higher being. All his observations of the universe and all its complex harmony suggested a benevolent author. This was for him the only explanation of humanity's special powers, morality and distinctive place in the universe. It sounds as if Wallace viewed God as the supreme intelligence. Yes, that's the exact opposite of the way Dawkins tries to interpret what both Wallace and Darwin wrote. Did Darwin ever agree with Wallace that humans are vastly different from animals? Partly. 
he admitted that there's an immense difference between the mind of the lowest man and that of the highest animal. In his book The Descent of Man, he wrote that if a monkey could think like a human, he would admit that though he could form an artful plan to plunder a garden, though he could use stones for fighting or for breaking open nuts, yet the thought of fashioning a stone into a tool was quite beyond his scope. Still less could he resolve a mathematical problem, or reflect on God, or admire a grand natural scene. But monkeys can communicate thoughts. Simple thoughts, such as warning a mate of danger, or telling him where to find food. But the notion of expressing definite ideas by definite sounds never crosses their minds. Darwin admitted they might insist that they were ready to aid their fellow apes in many ways to risk their lives for them, and to take charge of their orphans. But they would be forced to acknowledge that unselfish love for all living creatures, the most noble attribute of man, was beyond their comprehension. British brain physiologist Susan Greenfield seems to agree with Wallace's interpretation of the uniqueness of man. Dr Greenfield says, Humans spend far more time in these thinking and reasoning cognitive processes than any other mammal, even compared to our chimpanzee cousins whose DNA is only 1% different from our own. More than any other species, we can plan ahead, form hopes about the future, and reflect on abstract concepts. So we humans have many abilities that we did not inherit from some subhuman species. Following Wallace's death at age 90, a bishop conducted his funeral, and Steer observes... It did not enter anyone's head that Wallace had solved the mystery of our existence in a sense of making atheism intellectually respectable. He was convinced that when he observed beautiful precision in nature, the best explanation was God. You've been listening to Truth in the Test Tube, looking at truth through the twin lenses of the world that God created and the Bible that God inspired. Our email address is testtube at radio882.com. That's testtube at radio882.com. Or if you prefer to write, our postal address is Truth in the Test Tube, P.O. Box 4320, Bangalore 560043, India. Once again, that's Truth in the Test Tube, P.O. Box 4320, Bangalore 560043, India. We'd be happy to hear from you and feel free to send your questions and reactions to what we said today. And do join us again for additional episodes of Truth in the Test Tube.